God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. It's a lovely Monday morning here in Nashville. What's the vibe like in Austin today? It's pretty lovely here. If you like overcast, warm days, it's super lovely. Other than when you take your daughter to school, which you and I are both on the... We're the daddy bus to school trains, me and you. Yeah. Which I like about me and you. We take our kiddos to school. Now, when you come home, walking from your house to your studio, is that a, as much outside activity as you get on an average day? No, I walk. Oh, you do a walk every hour. day. I walk for an hour at least every day. So I'm waiting for the sun to come out to get out in, and start walking. It should be about mid-80s. It's supposed to get... The sun's supposed to come out around 2 so that's when I'm going to go hit the, I think it's called hit the tracks with my feet. I think we need to do a top of the episode mailbag. We got a few mail, we got a few mail housekeeping things to do real quick. Hell yeah. Dude, that mail, that mail um, bag is getting full. It's like Santa's toy bag. How about medieval times wearing chain mail? Fuck that, dude. So that when people try to stab you with sharp swords, you're less likely to have your skin and therefore vital organs punctured by said sharp sword by wearing chain mail. How about when your friend, as a as a joke, like pushes you in the lake and then you just dr- drown because you have chain mail on? Yeah, bye. If you're wearing chain mail and you've fallen into a body of water, bye. What do you think your chafing situation is with chain mail? <laughs> Hi. High chafing sitch. Dude. Your whole dick just rubs off probably after a war yeah. or a battle. I mean, they would just gre- they would have to grease themselves up with like pig lard. <laughs> and then that's what they smelled like. And then when they would get into town, they would murder and rape. Well, now you're just describing me on a Tuesday. Dude, Minus if you're covered in chain mail and pig lard. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a good time? Dude. That sounds like something Freddie Mercury would have gotten up to, doesn't it? Dude, nowadays we're like, oh, my internet, my signal's weak. Dude, back in the day, pig lard and chain mail. Shut up. Shut up with your fake bullshit. Until you have to take an axe and hew a log to create a home for your family. Shut up. <laughs> We live in a log. Times got hard, and now we live in a log. We're the log family. Well, back in the day, man, you didn't go to like Home Depot and get some lumber. You you eyed the trees that were near you with your axe, and you went thuck, thuck, thuck until that shit came down, or you got eaten by Le Tigre. How about it's wintertime, and a lion is trying to eat you somehow? Against all odds, you kill the lion. And then you have to live in the lion's belly that tried to kill you, eat its raw flesh to live, and you're using its carcass to shelter you from the winter. Dude, if you run across a dude in the wild and he's all he's got is an axe and he's wearing a lion's skin... He killed that lion. Be nice to that dude. Yeah, well... He ain't lying. 
Listen, let's thank Nick for becoming a patron. You can join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash IOK. It's like buying me and Bob a cup of coffee. Or in Bob's case, some sort of Yerba Monte tea chicken stock concoction. Yeah. Whatever's you're drinking over there, I don't know what it is anymore. I'm drinking Beetlejuice mainly. Mundy Hendrickson's got a few things to say. First of all, she says, y'all might like Archive 81, maybe especially Clint. I would tell you why, but you should just discover it as it unfolds. Unfortunately, there's only one season. I've never heard of Archive 81, so... Never heard of it. She also has a message for you, Mr. Schneider, where she says, Bob, I hope this hits your eyeballs and then your heart. Congrats on the AVET show. Man, that's awesome. And a delicious show. Hot damn. Be gentle. Ha ha. So I guess you got a gig coming up with the old AVET brothers. Yeah, they're playing in town and we're opening that show. That's cool. I've done a few gigs with them. They're, they seem like a nice little group of boys. Well, they're brothers. And I think their parents own the AVET company that makes paper. The only one, I, the only song I know is when they go, is they're talking about the only three words that they know is I and love and you. Dude, that song is so fucking good. Why does he sing it like he's British? Well, they are British. Are they British? In their hearts. Oh, they're heart British. They're raised in America, but they're heart British. A lot of people are heart British. I was heart British for a long time until my heart got broken. And when it broke, it also... it just broke the part of my heart that was british you know who else got heart british was all madonna dude she got more than heart british she got mouth british did you ever see her talk dude she was talking straight up british for a while well the thing and that's fine people do it people do it for movies and people are actors but when she was doing it everyone was like wait a minute are you pretending to really be british now and she tried to say that because she lived there for like six years yeah that her accent had naturally become British. And good God, she just never recovered from that. Well, never for us. I mean, other people, dumb people were like, oh, we'll forgive her or whatever. Or that makes sense. But smart, any smart person, when they heard that, they were like, oh, this bitch is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Jen Bergeon writes in and says, hey, Bob and Clay, are y'all still sending postcards? I've been a member of level two. I realize the world's on fire. There's a war going on. Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock and Lucky Charms are now giving people <laughs> diarrhea. But as you can see, I need a little bit of joy to look forward to. So yes, we are sending those. If you are a patron and you would like a postcard, do what Jen did here. She sent me her lovely address, which I will not broadcast to our thousands and thousands of listeners. But I will be putting that postcard in the mail for you, Jen. Thank you for the support. It's coming your way, homie. Dude, how cool would it be to get a postcard? <sighs> hey, uh, I just wa- speaking of postcards, I just watched... The Charlie Chaplin documentary on Showtime. Oh my God, I would love to see that. It's pretty interesting. I've seen the movie Chaplin starring Robert Downey Jr. I've read a couple of books about Charlie Chaplin. Well, I've seen a few of his films. You know, he made a lot of films. He, a few problems with old Charlie, though. He liked the young, young ladies. He was a, he liked ladies. Yeah, he did. Well, he liked ladies, but he liked them young, young. Well, what are we talking here? Just pull the band aid. Well, he married a chick that he did a movie with when she was 12. Now, <laughs> they didn't get married until I think the chick was 18. Right. But they did were on set together when the girl was 12. Right. And uh, yeah, famously, one of his wives who was 20 said, oh, I was too old for him. I was 20. 
He had a little bit of that pre-Leo to Cap, Leo to Cap. Well, the thing I didn't know, I mean, I knew he was famous, but I didn't understand how famous he was really in the, tw- in the 20s and 30s. He he was the most popular person the world has ever known. Honestly, that's what the Hitler mustache came from. It came from Charlie Chaplin because Hitler was trying to appeal to the culture by trying to look like Charlie Chaplin. That's how popular Charlie Chaplin was. Here's some other cool things to know that you'll find out if you watch the documentary. They were born four days apart, Hitler and, and Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And kind of Hitler, uh, there was just a lot of similarities. I think the mustache, obviously the mustache was an affectation that he wore as the tramp. He never wore that in real life. That was a mustache he would glue to his face. Mm -hmm. Whereas Hitler actually grew a mustache like that. (laughs) But Hitler grew the mustache to to try to broker the power of the cultural impact of Charlie Chaplin. Faux show. Or they say in Ger- as they say in Germany, Fischizel? fair share. <laughs> well, in Germany, you would pronounce it fair share. If you're going to dip into his movies, the handful that I saw were like the ones that everyone says are the greatest: The Gold Rush, City Lights, and in, there's one called The Great Dictator, in which Charlie Chaplin is basically parroting Hitler type dictator. And at the end of that movie, he does for the first time what was called then a talkie, where there's talking in the movie, and he goes on this big thing kind of an anti-fascist soliloquy that's beautifully written. And I don't know if they, I'm sure they covered this in the doc, but he didn't he write all the music for his movies too? Yeah. I mean, he he really was kind of a, a creative genius. What's kind of crazy about him, his dad left when he was a kid and then his mom, when he was about 15, got put into a nut house and then he had to live in a workhouse, which they would round up kids and put them in like, just a big, not an orphanage, but a workhouse where they would work or, or, you know, they would feed him and, and house him, but they would have to work and then beg. So he was just poor. And then he went to, he fell in with these circus people or these vaudevillian people where he learned kind of how to do his stuff. And those people went to the States. And while he was in the States, some guy happened to see him who ran Keystone Studios and the guy who was the head of the Keystone Cops like quit. And this guy remembered seeing Charlie Chaplin perform and somehow found him in some small city in Pennsylvania. Said, hey, will you come out here and be in this in these films? I'll give you 150 bucks a week, which is three times more than he was making. And so he went out there kind of on a lark. He didn't even like movies. And started being in these movies and and kind of bombed until he put on that tramp suit. And then as soon as he put on the tramp suit, immediately people loved him on screen. Right. And within eight years of him coming to America, by the time he was 26, he was the most popular person in the world. Yeah. Wow. At 26 years of age. And he was doing what we in the business call fucking... <laughs> He was so he was having sex with all these girls, and then he would get them pregnant, so he'd have to marry them, or sometimes he'd be able to talk them into having abortions, which were illegal and were dangerous at the time. But then, when he had to marry him, he would just openly have sex with other women. He did not care who knew, because he was 
26 and he could have sex with anybody he wanted to. I'm rereading some of the like seedier John Lennon books, you know, the the books that sort of Oh, he was he was the biggest rapist of all. <laughs> well, that's the books don't claim that he was a rapist. That's new news to me. I mean, when I say rapist, I mean they he was having sex with girls who wanted to be with him and he was using Which his influence and power to have sex with them. <laughs> that's that's definitely not rape. Well, it's having close. sex with women that want to have sex with you is consensual sex. Now yeah, people have cons- all sorts of reasons for wanting to have sex with people, but that ain't rape. Right, but he's like he's grabbing girls out of his crowd who are 14, 15, 16 years old having sex with them because they just want to be with him. They want to be near him. And he's taking advantage of his power. And it's, it's not cool. My point is, you talk about Charlie Chaplin. So there's a really famous interview that John Lennon did with John Werner from Rolling Stone in 1970. It's like right when the Beatles broke up. It's called Lennon Remembers. It's in print. And it was kind of, it was one of the first like tell-alls connected with the Beatles. And it was from John and he's like, you know, they're talking about the, the official Beatles biography at the time was by this guy named like Ray Coleman called like the Beatles story. He, and John Lennon's just gloves off, dude. He's just really wanting to blow the whole thing up. And he's like, he's like, fuck that. No one wants to talk about the whorehouses and like us falling down fucking drug addled in the, in the streets and all the cops were paid off and trying to protect us. And if we couldn't get groupies in our hotels, we went, to, we, we had whores. And if we couldn't get whores, we just did drugs. And, it's just what do you what happens to a person when you're 25, 26 and the whole world is at your feet? I mean, no one gets through that unscathed. I just don't think anyone's pure enough to. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. When you have that kind of power at your disposal, it takes you maybe a second to figure it out. And then I think it probably makes you crazy. I think that's why you see a lot of those people go nuts, is because once you then you roll around in that muck for a minute, because it's probably a lot of fun. But then you realize that's empty too. And then there's then, then what's beyond that, you know? I had a taste of it last year. After the pandemic, I went to Portland and Seattle. And both of those crowds hadn't come out of their house in a year. And they came out to see me. And the way they received me in both of those cities, I was like, oh, this is what Ed Sheeran feels like. And it was intoxicating. And my first thought was like... The evil part of my brain is like, see, you are good. They finally realized how good you are. And then the other, the logical part of my brain is like, dude, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. But luckily, you know, I'm in my late 30s. So it's, if I was, you know, if I was 22 and they were doing that, I'd be like, yeah, I am Drake. So luckily... You know, luckily I didn't have that early, early on. Only in my late 30s did I finally get a taste. I, I would not have been a good steward of that power. And but I g I don't I'm I don't think hard. any I don't think anybody is dude. I don't either. When I heard I when either. I heard that the Mormons get their own world, like a certain select group of Mormons when they die get to they get a be planet, ruler. right? Yeah. They get a whole planet to rule. And I was like, what would I do? If I had a whole planet to rule. And oh, here here's we what go. I do at first. Here we go. Here's the story. I mean, it's true. I'd be like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, make me something to eat. Oh, who do I want to hang out with? Oh, who's the, you know, Drake? Bring Drake. Oh, who's the hottest chick? Hey, what's up? Do you want to go out to dinner? Oh, you do? Yeah, because I'm the ruler of the world. Sure. Yeah, you find me attractive. Great. But then eventually there'd be like, you know, there'd be a Gal Gadot 
And she'd be like, yeah, I'm married. I'm not really interested. And I'd be like, mm, well, you're not married anymore. Why is that? Oh, because I just murdered your husband or I had him <laughs> murdered. And by the way, you will be staying. That's some David, David and Bathsheba shit. And then eventually I'm just murdering and raping. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> because there's no consequences. And that's, that's, I mean, that's true. I feel like now, everything comes back to murder and rape with you. Well, because that's all it is. That's all we are. We're human beings. We murder and rape. Luckily, there's a conscience <laughs> which keeps us in check. If we didn't have conscience, if we didn't have consciences, then we would just murder and rape to our heart's content or as much as we could get away with. You know, if there's no consequences to your behavior, then, you know, there's no telling what you do. Louis. CK talks about it. He's like, if murder was legal, you wouldn't trust anybody that didn't murder somebody because you want to murder. You're going to want to murder somebody. I feel like I'm too lazy to murder. I'm too lazy to do crimes. I'm not too lazy. I'm too scared to do crimes. Like stealing something? Like, here's what I... Yeah, because I understand what you're saying. There is a part of me that's like, I would like to have these goods and services without it costing me anything. I would just like that. I, I... we were having a brief conversation before we were rolling about companies that are kind enough to give us like free gear. I love that. I cherish it. I would like to have things without paying for them. But to steal it and to go through all the machinations of like the thievery part of it, the uh, the slyness, the plotting it out, the getting away with it, then living with the sort of looking over your shoulder I'm just too lazy. Dude, you know when I realized I was a straight up criminal? Napster. When Napster came along, I knew I know right from wrong. I knew it was wrong. Guess what I did? Loaded up my hard drive with all the free songs. And I'm in the biz. Yeah, you were kind of eating out of your own little you were kind of hurting your own little I wasn't stopping me. there. It wasn't stopping me. I was excited about it. I've been eating this like really lean chicken diet. And I, th- I was thinking today, I went to Kroger. I bought a bunch of chicken, ground chicken and chicken breast. And I just, I'm a man of, I'm a creature of comfort. I like a routine. I'll eat the same thing every day if I feel like it's making me healthier. And I, I just was thinking about reflecting on the chicken I was buying. I buy the same chicken from the same part of the grocery store. I know exactly how much it costs. I know exactly how I'm going to cook it. And I was like, I like this. And then I thought about everything that goes into that chicken getting there and how fucking horrible how fucking atrocious it is. Chickens raised in these horrible conditions and they're suffering. They all their whole life is suffering so I can eat chicken. And then I really did think, I thought, am I willing to give that up to save the chickens? And I thought to myself as I pulled from the Kroger onto Lebanon Pike, the main street where I live, I thought, nope. No, I like this. I like this chicken thing that I got going on. It's not just the chickens, dude. It's everybody. It's the People that work in those facilities, horrible place to work. It's people that pollute the atmosphere to drive the chicken from that place to where your store is. It's it's like this never-ending... It's a network of suffering. A network of suffering so that you can eat that piece of chicken. I know. What are we going to do about that? I guess you and I look at this situation and go, well, we make art and we have a podcast. But what are we going to do about it? I mean... You're going to overthrow the the corporate giants? I mean, you could start raising chickens. It's easy to raise chickens. you got a yard. Put some chickens out there. I eat chicken every day. I know. You have to have a lot of chickens. You could, you could have, you know, 
three or 400 chickens out there and they're having chickens and you know, every day you go out there and you grab a chicken. Someone's going to write in and actually be like, here are some things you can do. I don't really want to read that either. I mean, but do you really want to be raising hundreds of chickens so you can eat chicken or do you (laughs) want to fuck the world? I want scientists to come up with synthetic chicken that's cheap, that doesn't cause suffering, that's healthy, that's affordable, and that tastes like chicken, or I'll also accept better than chicken. That's what I want. I mean, we're close. We're, we're, cl- we're 10 years away from you have a printer at your house, maybe 20 years. 3D printer for but chicken. But for sure in 20, from sure in 20 years, you'll have a thing that looks like a microwave. It'll be a 3D printer, but it'll print food. And so you're like, I want a hamburger. I want some chicken. I want some whatever. And it'll just, it'll just the way a 3D printer works, it'll squeeze out some stuff (laughs) that looks like a goddamn piece of chicken. And then you'll fry that up and, and, uh, That'll be just an appliance that you have. Speaking of squeezing out some stuff, I went camping last weekend, and I don't know how it came up. Do you remember when I texted you and asked you to send me Thin White Rope? Yeah. I was talking about that song for some reason, and I had you send it to me. I played it for my little campers. Everyone got a chuckle out of it and agreed that it was a good song. There's a thin white rope in the sky. There's a thin white rope in the sky. There's a thin white rope in the sky But as sure as the sun we are all gonna die There's a lovely letter for the bride There's a lovely letter for the bride There's a lovely letter for the bride With some real bad news inside There's a red bird that sings the same song it is a good song. I should do that song tonight, actually. See, that's what I miss about doing the Saxon shows with you. Because I don't know if your other band members get to do this, but I would come in from out of town. And I didn't play those gigs a lot with you. And those gigs can be overwhelming because it's usually 20 kind of brand new songs. But you generously would let me pick 10. You would let me sort of pick half. And I never picked any of the songs we did on the road, really. But I would get to pick songs like Thin White Rope or... Um, what was the Michael Jackson song? Michael Jackson lives in heaven. Oh, yeah. Some kind of life. I've changed the lyrics to that song, Some Kind of Life. When I play it now, I say Robin Williams lives in heaven. I don't even want to talk about Michael Jackson. That documentary really fucked his thing up for me, too. Well, I just, I, I don't, it's not cute. Like it was cute when I didn't know. Yeah. Now, now you know, right? Now I know. It's like it'd be like Adolf Hitler. I don't know. It's just it's it's not. There's no fun. Whereas Robin Williams or or David Bowie, somebody who's also dead, I can put in there. Robin Williams is a good substitute. Yeah, I mean, Michael Jackson was great because there was that he was suspected. He was a suspected pedophile, which is. The whole song is like, well, he's in heaven, even though he might have been a pedophile. But now that I know he's a pedophile, I don't know. Other songs I used to like to pick was Blau. It's fun. fun Star one. Pony. Oof. Not great. Uh, Best Day Ever I liked. People like that Best Day Ever song. It's not my favorite. 
What are your favorite songs to play right now? I mean, I have a whole set of songs that I like to play that that's when I'm, you know, I haven't, I, I don't think I've written a good song in a while. Probably my favorite song to play right now is a song called Jaws, which is probably I wrote six months ago, just because it's the newest song that I play all the time. But I don't know. It's it ain't easy. Pimping is like it's not as easy as people think it is. No, it's 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 quite a lot of work, isn't it? Well, you gotta beat these bitches bad sometimes. Never the face though. You you wanna avoid no. the face. Jesus. No, you don't wanna mess up the merchandise. Right. What are you gonna spit on a dress? How much is that prostitute in the window? You need people. You need people that want, looking for something shiny, and you can't bruise the face when that's no, the, that's the you case. Gotta, no, you can bruise the back up pretty good. And in fact, we pimps have a little mnemonic device, a little little nursery rhyme. If that's the case, don't bruise the face. That's what we yeah. always say at our little meetups. Right. If you're not, if if your bitch ain't in the black, beat her on her back. <laughs> I mean, us pimps be rhyming. If you want to pimp her out more so, leave those beatings to the torso. That's what we always say. Yeah, yeah. Yo, if your bitch ain't bringing the meat, beat her on her feet. If your bitch is eating eggs, bruise up them legs. Yo, if your bitch ain't saying welcome, thanks, and please, tap her on them knees. If you want your bitch fucking Moe's, save those beatings for her goddamn toes. If your lady ain't bringing home the green <laughs> then be real mean to her spleen <laughs> <laughs> if you want your bitch making you dollars up in boulder save those lashings for the shoulders if you don't like the money that your lady made <laughs> then Lightly knuckle her on her shoulder blade. There we go. A light knuckling. Well, this is yeah. the most horrible rhyme scheme we've ever done. And yet it was still a lot of fun. And we're still rhyming because we're poets. We're artists. Here's what I know about our audience. None of them were triggered by anything we said. <laughs> thank God. And thank <laughs> but God there's for a that. Whole, there's a whole group of people that are younger than our audience who might have been triggered by some of that. Our audience is fucking lathered up in pig lard and chainmail. <laughs> they can take anything. We just ensured, though, that nothing good can ever happen to us in the future because that bit will for sure cancel us out of any any type of future situation we may find ourselves in. Future and present. And past, I guess. How about being canceled in the past? <laughs> Think about it. All right. <laughs> we're going to get the secret weekly. We're going to go to the secret weekly now where we're going to talk about colonoscopies. Yay. We'll see you there. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And my son had a dream about a fire and die. My son had a dream about a fire and die. My son had a dream about a fire and die. Told him that everything would be alright. There's a thin white rope in the sky. There's a thin white rope in the sky. Goes all the way to heaven, you can climb it when you die. There's a thin white rope in the sky. <laughs>